0: Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. On this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast, I speak with Bridget Farrell from All Talk Training. Bridget and I talk about cross-cultural communication. So this is really interesting, especially if you work with people from diverse backgrounds from different countries, people who are not native English speakers. I think this will be really, really crucial for you to listen into this. And you might be able to resonate with a lot of the things that we discuss. And I definitely would really love to hear your feedback. Let's get started. Welcome, Bridget, to the Happier at Work podcast. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Yes, of course. So, my name is uh, Bridget Farrell, and I'm the founder of All Talk Training. We focus on helping international teams or diverse teams um, communicate better. Um, so, it takes two forms. We started out offering English language training uh, to business professionals. Um, based in in Ireland, but also outside of Ireland, and um, from that, then we saw that there was a, an opportunity to further improve communication on international teams by offering um, cross cultural communication training to um, native English speakers in who work and manage international teams.
0: When you say you identified this this kind of opportunity. Like what? What were the things that really
1: stood out for you in terms of communication in the workplace? Uh, well, I suppose um, by us. Um offering English language training to business professionals, we constantly heard from these trainees that uh, our biggest problem is when there's a native speaker included in the conversation. So you can imagine there's, for example, one of our trainees is a manager in the German branch of a company and um, they deal in English with uh, their Polish colleagues or their Romanian colleagues or their French colleagues and also their colleagues in the UK or, and Ireland and they say with communication with all the other branches within Europe that are non-English-speaking branches, there's absolutely zero communication problems. But it's really when there's a native English-speaking element in a conversation. So if there's, for example, a team meeting uh, with um, six non-native speakers of English and four native speakers of English, it's usually then where people experience problems because um, communication breakdown kind of happens when the native speakers start speaking um, and that's where we uh, just recognise that surely we can do something to help this problem as well. And actually if companies address this problem it's so much more efficient than um, trying to get all their non-native English speaking employees up to a very high level of English. So we really just thought, well, this is something that we really know that we can help people with and we know that we can help them really quickly with it. So let's explore um, how we can do that.
0: Okay. And, and what was the big problem? Like, is it that the, the native English speakers are using jargon or, or what was the big issue?
1: Yeah. So, of course, it's it's some of the obvious things that we, you know, most people, you know, you know yourself if you're speaking to someone who isn't a native English speaker using jargon or slang. And of course, the speed of how you talk as well. But also there is um, there is more than that, you know, so similar things, but more than that, that people don't generally really um, uh they don't realize it maybe themselves if they have never learned a foreign language themselves or have never you know had to work through a foreign language themselves and then of course there's the the uh, cultural aspect of communication that really um that, for example a nat- as native english speakers very often we really um soften our language because we're not very direct and for many um, especially uh, European cultures and languages, that's not the style that they use at all. And so there was a miscommunication with, you know, how uh, if, a, if a native English speaker was trying to uh, express if something was urgent or not, they might not do it in such a direct way. And then the urgency gets lost in translation. And so it was really this kind of um, all the add-ons to the language all the nuances to the language that native speakers would use that um, non-natives don't really, yeah, uh, really learn so quickly you know or they, they can't learn it so quickly it's usually at a much 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 more advanced level that they get the nuance of the language
0: yeah that's that's really interesting I can really relate to that whole idea of not being very direct and yeah. <laughs> you know People just don't ask for what it is that they want a lot of the time, or it's you know. And uh, I recently did a disk profiling session, and in it, the lady explained how um, the S's, which is the steady type, which that that would be my predominant type. They t- oh, yes. they tend to nearly pussyfoot around what it is that they want without asking for it directly, and the majority, yeah. <laughs> the majority of the population is S. You know, quite a quite a significant majority. So. It, you mm-hmm. kind of expect other people to read between the lines almost. And I guess those lines get a little bit blurred if you're dealing with a different culture and if you're dealing with a different exactly. language. Great.
1: Exactly. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what I suppose what are the first steps towards overcoming that or, or towards
1: um, you know changing that? Um, the first steps are what we work on in our training for this is self-awareness and empathy, so really understanding what it's like for the other person, so in this case for the non-native English speaker, and then also self-awareness about the language that you use, how you communicate, and I suppose the combination of the empathy and then the self-awareness, when you understand how it is for the other person, and then you become aware of how you communicate. You can change your, how you communicate according to you know what you know is difficult for that person to understand or what is culturally maybe. Um, impossible, maybe even for them to really understand it. Um, so once we kind of start with uh, empathy and self awareness in this context, then that actually does most of the work in a way, so to speak. So once you can develop that, it's a tool that you have for life, you know. With the training that we do is, um, uh, very, uh, very efficient actually because you know it can it's one day training and you just have to build on the skill that you start to learn in our training and very very quickly you can become a very um, uh, clear communicator for you know among international teams or with an international audience whether that's your clients or your colleagues.
0: Great it's I mean it's so interesting and this the whole idea of self-awareness is quite interesting we had a laugh in college the other week saying you know (laughs) people think that they're so self-aware everyone thinks that they themselves are the most self-aware person you know and it's it's, um how how to actually test self-awareness generally speaking um Mm. with with i suppose with communication it's a little bit easier to assess Mm. someone's level of self-awareness um so once someone understands like can they use those skills then in other areas to become more self-aware in other areas of their life as well
1: uh that's a very good question and actually i never really thought of it but i would say you know i think once you open your um awareness to other languages and other cultures. I'm not saying about learning another language, but, you know, once you become more aware of how it works and how the communication can be affected, I think you see how um, everything is not as black and white as sometimes we like to think things are. So I would say that this would definitely, you know, you um, encourage you to think differently about other aspects of of life you know other areas where you know you might always have thought well this is quite black and white but then you know with some awareness you might kind of see well actually this is a little bit more of a a grey area you know it's not for example whether it's dealing with different uh, you, you know we talk about different cultures but of course every person within that culture has also their own personality, so they might not always fit in exactly to what we expect them to be within that culture. So I think, um, you know, even if it's dealing with people who are all from the same culture culture as your own, this kind of development of empathy and self-awareness um, can transfer to that skill of how to deal with people with different personalities, you know, and different, um, maybe if they're introverted or extroverted, and how does that play out in the team? Uh, environment you know
0: yeah no it's it's really interesting because it's almost like a, f- a first step to an acceptance of the way i do things is not necessarily the right way and it's um you know it, it it could be that i'm wrong about this or that that i need to open my mind and consider that the way i'm doing things is is um potentially disruptive for someone else and I was really interested in what you said I I think it was before we we started recording is about initially accepting that the blame might be placed on non-native English speakers in the workplace for not understanding what it is that we're talking about when in fact Mm. the responsibility lies with us as native English speakers or equal responsibility in terms of um understanding because it's the communication absolutely. works both ways you know
1: absolutely there's always two people involved in a conversation at least you know and both parties have to take on responsibility and i think uh, you know we're very lucky as native english speakers we're we're privileged actually we there's a whole element of, um, you know, looking for uh, work in the international space that we don't have to think about because just by default, we're you know, we speak English. And I think uh, because, you know, so many people are learning English um, and are working through English, we kind of take for granted that that's actually a really it's a huge feat that they've achieved, you know, and that it's also that it's ongoing. You know, there's not a finite point where people meet and they say, okay, now this is the best I can be in this language, you know, in the English language, and they can relax. It's hard work. So um, even if somebody is, you know, perhaps living in Ireland, for example, working through English, uh, you know, as their non-native language here for maybe even 10 years, most people will still say to you, it's so tiring in comparison to, you know, if I were doing that in my native language all day, every day. So, um, you know, they're really, um, they're these people are really working very hard and making a huge effort. And I think that it's only uh, nice and respectful. And just uh, from the company point of view, it's very, um, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, uh, it's more, uh, the teams that can be more efficient and more productive And um, so if we don't just leave the responsibility to the person who is uh, the non-native speaker, we can just get so much more done together and uh, work so much better together. And I think the non-natives are very, very happy, you know, to kind of feel a little bit of um, the pressure is off them completely, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's. A, I mean, it's a two way street, really. And it's mm-hmm. they say the you know communication. It, it's about the the understanding of it. It's about the the person who's speaking, but also the person who, at the making sure that the person who's receiving the message has received it. Uh,
1: Correctly, Exactly, absolutely and that's something that we're not actually very good at and um, I I mean that I don't mean that in a bad way but you know by default or even from school for example we hear uh, we usually just hear the question do you understand but actually it's it's a very um, simple question for what can be a complex topic that you're checking you know that you're checking understanding for. And um, if we can learn then how else we can check understanding with different types of questions that that means that we can make sure that everybody is on the same page all the time Uh, instead of, for example, you think you're on the same page, everybody leaves the meeting thinking you're on the same page, everybody goes off and does what they think they should be doing and then it's only later that you realize, oh, something got lost in communication here so if we can learn even just how to check um, understanding and take on that responsibility of I have that responsibility as well to make sure whoever I'm communicating with has understood me correctly and if they haven't what can I do to make sure that they do or they have understood.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, because I imagine if you ask someone, do you understand, the default response is yes, <laughs> out
1: of fear sometimes. You know, sometimes people are just, are they really self-conscious or they want to make a good impression? And, you know, they really, even though long term, of course, you know, it's not the best option at all to say that you have understood. And even that's something that we do in our English language training is to give people the to help them feel more confident in English to say when they don't understand something and to be able to say it in different ways or to be able to kind of check what exactly it is that they, they don't understand, you know, different ways to do that. But for the native English speakers then, you know, um, to also... Um, know how to check the understanding then that's uh, you know it's a win-win because it's much less likely then that you'll have problems with communication.
0: And and how would you go about checking whether someone has understood what you've communicated?
1: Well you have to be a little bit careful as well because if you're in a a meeting context for example and there might be Let's say there's only one non-native speaker. So they're the one that's probably feeling the most self-conscious in that room. And you don't want to really kind of single them out either and say, um, you know, did you understand that or using other question techniques to find out if they understood. So you just have to be a little bit careful there just not to make anybody feel more you know singled out but you know you can use questions like um just asking about the details of what you've spoke about so basically asking questions that basically recap what you've already said and make sure it's all the details that you're checking so for example maybe it's about um uh what the client wants for example when the deadline is you know so you're really you're really asking questions and you encourage everybody in the room to answer them so that you know that every person then is on the same page it's a very simple technique but you know again if everybody leaves the room knowing exactly what they're doing it's um you know that's really what the aim of the game is just something
0: encouraged me there it's an old quote where the greatest myth about communication is that it has actually occurred
1: yes I love it (laughs) and it's so true yeah yes I think it was George Bernard Shaw who said that yes yeah and um, that that's the thing you know that that, that's where we see inefficiencies in the workplace when people think that they're on the same page you know that communication has taken place successfully and then it's later when kind of either damage is done or time is wasted that you find out that oh actually we weren't on the same page and uh, and then you see that's when the focus comes on communication it's only when something happens that, you know, people then realize, okay, we need to be careful about how we're communicating with with each other. It's very interesting to me, you know, because there's, um, even with, you know, new businesses and the rise in remote working now, like there's kind of uh, the number of teams that have, you know, large and small teams that have an international element to it. And I'm sure that communication is one of the last things they think about you know, that they build a team and then it's only when problems arise that they feel like, whoa, you know, there are some communication issues here because of the difference in language and cultural backgrounds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly the case. You know, Dublin has become very international and, you know, I'm sure it's not alone. Like there's other places, other parts of Ireland where it would be very similar and globally as well. I'm sure it's, um, it's similar where you have people from diverse backgrounds all coming together, uh, you know, with different languages and different cultural norms. Do you have any specific tips that you could share with people who
1: who encounter these problems? Um, yeah, I suppose, again, kind of going back to the, the empathy and uh, self-awareness and um, so just try to just take a second to think, well, what is it like for this person you know if i were if i had to do this in france for example and speak french all day every day you know if you have learned some of some french or german or spanish uh, at school just think god is this an easy thing that they're doing or not and just be, kind of begin to understand then what are the things that you think would be difficult for them and what are the things that you think would be easy for them to understand because when you know what's easy then that's what you kind of that's the space you communicate in Uh, and then you know that then helps to build the self-awareness and then it's just thinking then about um you know changing your language for that and um, also be curious you know be curious about their language and their culture because the more that you know about it the better you can understand them and the better you can respond accordingly then and communicate um, accordingly and people really you know they really appreciate it when you're interested in their language and culture because it shows that you know that, uh, you know, that you know that they're doing a great thing by communicating in English all day, every day at work. You know that it's not such an easy thing and they appreciate, um, you know, your interest then and the, uh, that other aspect. People are different in their native language than they are in an, in another language. You know, your personality, I wouldn't say the personality completely changes, but very often people are a little bit more introverted in um, their non-native language. Um, because they're just not as confident um, to communicate in that language. So I think being curious kind of gives them the, they feel more comfortable then to, you know, to to communicate with you.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's the whole area is, is interesting. And especially because if you're bringing a group of people together, presumably, it's to do a specific job or work on a specific client or a, mm-hmm. a specific project and yeah. you've brought you know the best people who can work effectively together and that's the idea but yes mixed in with that is the different personalities the different abilities mm-hmm. and the different communication styles and the different languages yes. as well into mm-hmm. the mix which as you said can make things suddenly become quite inefficient if the communication is not really there so you know let's say as a team you start to communicate more effectively is i suppose my my question is is there ever a point where you reach uh, and say oh we've done it now we've we've kind of we're there or is it an ongoing thing where people need to consistently and constantly work on their communication skills from that point of I want to really understand where you're coming from and um, understand you know and and really make things easy for the other person to understand what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, I'd say um, I think if if uh, international teams take the approach that both sides have a responsibility, I think then it's not so much about you know working on your skills, but rather just being always aware. Of how you're communicating, and always aware of your audience who you're communicating to. So I would say, for example, that you can you can learn the techniques, and uh, as a native English speaker, learn the techniques for cross-cultural communication. You, of course, you can always improve at everything, but I would say that there's a set of skills that you can master quite quickly. But it's just remembering to use them when you have to. So I think it's a case more of not always really having to work on it, but always having to make sure you use it. <laughs> so make, making sure you use the skills. Whereas if it's left, if the responsibility is only left to the non-native English speakers, they are the ones who are always trying to improve and improve and improve to to hopefully at some point, um, you know, m- have the communication smoother but like we're talking about a long time to improve it takes a long time to really you know break through the barrier you know in language learning so you can get to a good working level of a language in let's say six months to a year but to really get to native speaker level, it can take a very long time, and it takes an awful lot of exposure to the language. So it's so much more efficient for both sides to take on the responsibility, and then uh, not to feel like that somebody is work, you know, has to consistent, um, consistently really work on it, but rather that um, uh, just if both sides then are just more aware of the communication and aware of who they're communicating with, then that's how you can make sure that communication is smooth, uh, consistently, you know.
0: Now it's really interesting and I I do like the concepts that both sides really take responsibility and it occurred to me just now that I feel like we've been talking a little bit one sided in that we're we're coming at it from a native English speaking perspective and how can I communicate better and ensure that a non-native speaker understands what it is that I'm trying to communicate but what about a non-native English speaker speaking in English and trying to communicate do you find that they are more direct in their communication or what are the the kind of challenges that they encounter beyond the language um
1: culture is just such a big part of language so actually it's funny you know we say we offer english language training to businessmen and women it's it's mostly in europe so germany france poland um spain would be like our where our trainees are mostly from and i would say in all of these cultures they are all more direct in certain areas they might not all be the same and of course germany they generally would be even more direct then than spanish people for example um so a lot of our english language training it's actually more focused on the culture than the actual, you know, the A's and B's and the grammar of of the real language because they're already at quite a good level there. So we need to help them to work uh, effectively in international teams. And sometimes that that might mean understanding the culture uh, when it comes to directness. So if they're dealing with people from Ireland or the UK, generally we have to show them how to soften their language because they could easily say something like, um, send me the report whereas you know if somebody if you received an email from from somebody with such a direct um it's an order and we might not respond to that so well so they also have to kind of learn the the cultural side and how they can communicate better so that they they don't cause friction on a team which they'd never meant to cause by the way but you know just culturally it might not really have come across you know they're they're translating generally from their native language directly into english and because of culture that doesn't always work so um so yeah so from from their point of view culture is just a really big part of the language training that they do with us
0: yeah i mean the the cultural element is of huge interest to me like i i lived and worked in london i worked in germany for a summer i lived in barcelona for a year as part of my undergrad and yeah i lived in the states (laughs) for a couple of summers and i lived in um in Australia for a couple of years as well. So Mm -hmm. I have I feel like I've been exposed to lots of different cultures. And even with, you know, well, in London and in Australia and in America, they speak English as well. But that cultural Mm -hmm. element comes in to play then in like what's what's acceptable versus what's not acceptable. Mm. Are there any kind of things that really stand out for you? And I have done cultural training in um, a company that I worked for previously, in terms of understanding my own cultural preferences and what country "quote unquote" I'm most similar to, um, right? <laughs> yeah, and and how people of different countries tend tend to behave in terms of like the directness. I think is something that's easily visible. But are, is there anything that stands out to you and that people need to be aware of from a cultural perspective in in dealing with? people from
1: different cultures. Uh, Yes, I think directness is is actually one of the biggest things. But, you know, we've spoken about that a little bit and and I think many people are aware of that as well. The other thing I would say is um, saying no and how people say no in different cultures and whether or not they ever even say no. (laughs) So that can be a a huge problem because in some cultures um, people just don't really want to let people down. So they don't say just outright no. They might say it, like I think we're like that in Ireland, for example. If if we don't want to do something, we might say, oh, perhaps I won't make it this evening. For example, instead of you know I'm not going to make it this evening. So um and that's partly being direct as well, or being indirect. Um, but also for example, especially in the Far East, it's very uh, you just don't say no. Do you have any other specific tips that you could share with listeners? I would just say the most important thing is to be open and um, just uh, realize that everything is absolutely not black and white. And uh, there can be so many differences uh, in so many er- different areas of communication um when you're dealing with people from different language and cultural backgrounds that you know you you can always learn something new about the culture that you're dealing with and uh, and just always um also take kind of with that in mind you know don't um don't for example take offense easily Because it's not the same, if somebody says something very direct for you, for example, to you, and they're not a native English speaker, um, then, you know, we might have the tendency to say, oh God, that was very rude, but actually... You know, we have to make allowances for they might not have meant it like that whereas if somebody from you know our own culture and they say something very direct and you know it really does sound rude probably they are being rude <laughs> so just with the awareness um and the openness just to also bring that uh, kind of um feeling of i'm not going to uh, judge too quickly when i'm dealing with people from other cultures because it could be something that's lost in translation.
0: Absolutely. And the question that I ask for all my guests, which is what makes you happier at work?
1: Um, (laughs) I really, I really love when things, when you can see um, communication working out for clients, you know, when they really see that small changes can make a huge difference. And, um, you know, I love the kind of aha moments And um, I suppose that's that's really what how, you know, all talk training started. And that's how it's continuing to today. Brilliant. And if
0: people want to know more about you and the business, what is the best way to to reach out or
1: to find out more? Uh, Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, My name is Bridget Farrell again. And uh, or you can visit our website. It's all dot com. Great, and I can add those details to the
0: show notes as well so people can link with you directly from there. Great. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it was really great to to speak with you. I really enjoyed our chat. Thanks so much. Thank you. (laughs) That was Bridget Farrell from All Talk Training and what an interesting discussion. I wanted to share the key points for me. So the key thing that really stood out is that communication really depends on culture. So it's coming at it from a cultural perspective. Developing a really high sense of self-awareness as well as empathy is really important to drive that element of understanding and being able to communicate effectively with other people, especially from other cultures. A key thing as well is to be curious and to remain curious and open about other people and where they're coming from. You can che- always check people's understanding as well to make sure that they have been understood but don't do it in a kind of a direct way. Find an indirect way to be able to check to make sure that they've really understood what it is that you're trying to communicate. It's not only about knowing what skills you should use but it's making sure that you actually use the skills. So once you learn how to do these things it's it's implementing them and and remembering it on an ongoing basis that this is something that you need to use consistently. One of the key things around culture is this whole idea of directness and whether you are direct or indirect, you know, there, there is a tendency to not communicate directly. So for other cultures or for people from other countries to understand that it's really, really important. And equally for for us to understand that if someone's being direct with us it's not their intention to be rude it's their intention to communicate from the perspective that they're coming from. As always I'd love to hear your feedback and thanks for listening in. Well there you have it thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.